0: Well, good morning, Restoration Church. Pastor Kevin here. I am so excited that you've chosen to worship with us this morning, so thank you so much for for tuning in with us, whether you are watching this live or after the fact. I'm just excited that we were able to uh, worship the Lord together through song, uh, that we got to hear the the Word of God being read over us, and now we get to have a study of God's Word. Uh, Man, it is so good for us to be able to do this. I want to encourage you as you watch this uh, message, would you interact in the messages? We'll have some uh, questions and some, some points and some things in there. We'd love for you to be able to interact with one another as we go through this online service. You know, I was thinking about teachers and thinking about how important teachers are in our life, on how teachers have an influence for good and bad. In fact, probably our greatest teacher might be our our mother, right? There are some things that moms teach us uh, that only a mom can teach us. Like moms teach us about anticipation, right? When moms teach us anticipation, they say, just wait till your father gets home. I heard that one often when I was young. Moms teach us about medical science. Moms say, "Uh, don't cross your eyes like that or they're going to stay that way, right? How many of you heard that one? Moms teach us about genetics when they say, you're just like your father. Moms teach us about life and death, when they say, I brought you into this world and I will certainly bring you out. Moms teach us about justice, where they say, I hope that one day you have kids and I hope they turn out just like you. Man, it is funny to be able to think about some of these sayings that maybe your mom, you heard from your mom when you were growing up, uh, but. We need to recognize the important influence that parents have over their children, for good or for bad. And this is not just true of parents, this is true of teachers as well. In fact, why don't you think about, why don't you try and think back, who was your favorite teacher when you were going to school? Who was that teacher for you? For me, uh, I remember uh, my dad died in between the summer between my second and third grade year. And there was one teacher from the entire school who came to dad's funeral. He ended up being my fourth grade teacher. His name was Mr. Scambolari. And this is a man that I admired. In fact, I became a crossing guard because Mr. Scambolari was the crossing guard guy and I joined patrol because of that. But I remember just so powerful, uh, something very specific in the way that I learned from Mr. Scambolari. Uh, I think I've told the story before but there was a girl in our class and the whole class was just kind of picking on her. And he got on to us and got us all in trouble for that. And I remember I stayed after school and I was talking to Mr. Scambolari and he shared a little bit of her circumstances. And I remember that that was the time that I learned about compassion. I learned about empathy. Things that have stuck with me throughout my entire life based on what I learned from Mr. Scambolari on that day. Man, the teachers that we put in our life, the leaders we put over us are so important because they make a huge impact on our life. In fact, there's a quote from Jesus in Luke chapter uh, 6 where Jesus says, A disciple is not above his teacher but that everybody, when they are fully trained, they will be like his teacher. And that helps us to understand the importance of teachers and leaders in our life and making sure we have the right teachers, the right leaders, because so often we will become like the leaders that we follow. If you have a bible I invite you to open up to the book of malachi again malachi is the last book of the old testament so if you open up and you find the book of matthew that's the first book of the new testament turn left a few pages you should find the book of malachi we're in a series this fall where we're looking at this conversation that god has through the prophet Malachi, to the people of God, where God is calling out their, their, the people's uh, lukewarm faith. He's calling out their indifference towards God. And he's pointing them back to a passionate and wholehearted uh, worship and relationship with God. We saw the, the first week in the series, we saw it was a foundation for the whole message where God says, I have loved you. I have loved you in a way that even when you don't feel it, even when circumstances are difficult, you can always look back and think about the fact that God has chosen us, elected us to be his children. And that is the evidence that we need to be reminded of God's love. Last week, we saw that, that God was calling us as his people out for our half-hearted worship, for us going through the motions and our relationship with God. And that was a message that for me was challenging. I hope it was challenging for you as well. But today, today God, through the prophet of Malachi, he's going to call out the leaders of Malachi's day. He's going to call them out for failing to be the type of leaders that God expects of them, while also giving us a, a picture or a model of what godly leadership specifically looks like. Now, I would say this, every one of us, every one of us in here, we are, we are students in some regard. We have a leader over us. We have a boss at work. We have a parent. We have a teacher. We have a board of directors that we answer to. We have customers. Uh, We have a spouse. So every one of us, in some way or another, we have a leader over us. And so we would agree, leadership matters. But in terms of spiritual things, how much more significant should leadership be when we're talking about things of life and death and the things of God? And so the question I want to wrestle with is is what type of uh, spiritual leader should we be looking for in our lives? Should we be looking for a spiritual leader who's a visionary, who can just get people excited to go and to do and to go make a difference in the world? Should we attach ourselves to an executive type leader who builds great systems, who can get things organized, who can help us figure out where we're going? Should we commit ourselves to a leader who's a great communicator, who's got great stories, who can draw our emotions? Should we be drawn to a a leader that has uh, political leanings and is able to, to deal with politics in that world? Listen, there's nothing wrong with these types of leaders. These are good skills for church leaders to have, but those are not the type of leadership that God wants for the leaders of his people, for the leaders of his church. God is calling for leaders in his church to be bold in truth and whose lives are honoring to God. So here's our text today. Uh, Malachi chapter 2 and he starts in verse 1 and says, Now, O priests, this command is to you. See, the Old Testament, the priests are, are kind of like the pastors that we have today. And the Old Testament they had the temple and now today we have the church and their leaders were the priests and our leaders today are the pastors. And so what, what Malachi is trying to say is he's, he's trying to address the spiritual leaders. He's saying, hey, spiritual leaders, and listen, this is going to be important for us to understand, it is while Malachi and God are addressing the spiritual leaders, there are principles that will apply to every one of us and have a direct correlation to our life and our faith. So, so lean in and hear what God has to say to these leaders. What God's going to do is he's going to give us a picture of two different types of leaders. He's going to give us a picture of of godly and successful leadership, the kind of leadership we should aspire to and that we should long for. And he's also going to give us a picture of ungodly leadership, a failed leadership. This was the leaders uh, in Malachi's day. And so we're going to start out and we're going to see some characteristics for these failed leaders in Malachi's day, leaders that we should be wary of. Number one, These uh, unsuccessful uh, bad leaders had a failure to hear and a failure to have a heart to glorify God. Here's here's what the text says in verse 2. It says, If you don't listen and if you don't take to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send my curse upon you. I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I've already cursed them because you did not take it to heart. See, what God is trying to say is that there is a correlation. There's a connection between our ears and our hearts. That for us, as we follow God, we have to use both of these things. We have to use our ears to listen, to hear the truth of God, to hear the truth of scripture, to hear God's word, but it's not enough just for us to hear it. We also have to take it to heart, which means we hear these truths and then we begin to live them out. We act on them. We obey them. We submit to them. Where there's a a, a both-and process, where we listen and we take it to heart. The priests in that day, they weren't doing these things. These two things weren't connected. They weren't listening, and they weren't taking it to heart. They were not honoring the name of God. I know the question when we see, well, what does it mean for us to honor the name of God? How do we glorify God? Uh, well, simply, to honor or glorify God is to extend the knowledge of him into the world. And we extend our knowledge of God. We send the knowledge of God into the world by uh, what we say and how we praise and worship God and by how we live by our righteousness. This is how we we honor and glorify God by how we praise him and how we live according to him. See, as a Christian, as a Christian, it's our word and our works that reflect God to the world around us. So, the way that we speak about God, the way that we worship Him, the way that we live, either is going to show our family and our friends how great and significant God is, how worthy He is, or our words and our actions show that God is not that great, that we don't think much highly of Him, and that people don't have a reason to submit their lives to Him. That's where the that's where these leaders were in Malachi's day. The second characteristics of these ungodly leaders is they were turning aside from the ways of God. Here's what it says in verse 8. Malachi says, You have turned aside from the way. And verse 9, he says, uh, So I've made you despise and abase before all people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways. See, here, here's what happened. The leaders were supposed to be on a path. They were supposed to be on this path where they knew the word of God. And they showed people the obedience of what it looks like to follow God that they were to model what it looks like to live and to lead and to follow God. But what God is saying is that they had turned away from that path. They turned into a different direction. There no longer was this obedience to the things of God. They were no longer being a faithful example of what it looks like. Their lives were falling short of the truths that they were supposed to be modeling and teaching. Now, When we look at these leaders, of course, we can think of, well, they could justify themselves. They could say, well, you know, our culture our culture has progressed. We're in this progressive day and age, and so we're just trying to be relevant. We're trying to be cutting edge to reach our culture and to connect to the world around us. Listen, there's nothing wrong with us wanting to reach our culture. But when we no longer obey the Word of God, listen, we are just like these religious leaders in Malachi's day. We are worthy of an indictment from God. So not only were these religious leaders, not only were they failing to hear and to take to heart the things of God, not only were they turning aside from their ways, uh, number three, they were causing many to stumble. Here's what it says in verse eight. He says, you've caused many to stumble by your instruction. You've corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Which means he's saying your your instructions weren't clear. You were, instead of giving the truth of God's word, you were giving half-truths. You were choosing to pick and choose what you talk about. You chose to prioritize and only talk about the easy stuff, the stuff that people like. You know, like the love of God and heaven while you were avoiding the hard stuff like sin and hell and God's anger. In fact, it was his poor teacher, it was his poor teaching of these priests that resulted in many of the issues that God is addressing in the book of Malachi based on these poor teachings. See, a teacher of God's Word, a leader in God's church, they are to impart life and nourishment to the people. In fact, that's why after the resurrection, when Jesus looked at Peter and he said to Peter, "Feed my sheep." To feed means to teach. And so as we teach the Word of God, it's supposed to provide uh, nourishment and sustenance to the people of God to help people grow into Christ's likeness. You know what's what's absolutely amazing? This book, Malachi, was written 2,500 years ago. 2,500 years ago. And those struggles of those religious leaders back in that day are the same struggles that people still deal with today. Where we are, we are causing people to stumble because we don't present the full truths of the Word of God. The fourth thing that the failed leaders were doing is they were showing partiality in their teaching. It's what it says in verse 9. God says, And so I made you despise and abase before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Which means religious leaders, they were playing to the audience. They would apply scripture in different ways to different people, depending on how it benefited them. It was almost as if God's leaders in that day, they were for hire. That if you offered them a bribe, they would give you a pass on whatever it was you're dealing with. Kind of like this, it's kind of, you say whatever Daddy Warbucks wants you to say, so you can get the benefit of, of having the wealthy or the powerful or the popular on your side. Listen, when we hear about these priests, when we hear about the type of leaders they were, we recognize leadership is important. Because when, it, when there are weak leaders, that results in a weakening church. And that is what's happening in the book of Malachi. Leadership had brought these devastating results, so much so that if you remember last week, God said things are so bad, it would be better just to shut it down. The, the, the people's worship, the, the, the leaders, uh, it is so bad. It's just better if you just shut it down. Listen, here's the reality is sometimes un- ungodly leaders, they may last for a while. But I want us to take heart that God notices. God notices these, these things. He will respond. Look what he says in verse 2. God said, uh, uh, leaders may not listen. You may not take to heart to honor God's name. But he says in verse 2, Then I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. What God is saying is, because you have not listened to me, because you are not honoring and glorifying my name, I'm going to curse your blessings. Which means God is saying, I'm going to remove my blessing from you. I'm going to remove your effectiveness in your ministry and in your leadership role. See, here's, here's the way that priests worked in that day. It's different today. Today, a pastor is called, and they can be removed from their ministry, but a priest, they were born into it, much like a monarch. So there's no way for a priest to get fired. And so what God is saying is, I'm going to remove my blessing from you. I'm going to remove your effectiveness. And essentially, you're going to be like the Kardashians, where you're there, you're making noise, but nothing helpful or fruitful actually comes out of you. And it's not just that. It's not just that. Sinful leadership has an effect on their legacy. Look what God says in verse three, he says, Behold, I will rebuke your offspring. I'm a pastor and I've got five kids and my ears perk up when I hear that. Listen, when you or I, when we are resistant to the things of God, when we're indifferent to our relationship with him, when we are critical, when we are disobedient, listen, we need to understand that that infects and infects our kids. Some people, we live under this myth that, you know, we're an individual and my decisions don't affect anybody else. Listen, you need to know this truth. You need to hear this, that your faith and how you live, it affects your children. It affects the future. It affects your legacy. It is that significant. And then there's going to be this surprising turn that God's going to give these failed leaders. He says, behold, i rebuke your offspring. And listen to this, he says, I will spread dung on your faces, the dung of the offerings, and you'll be taken away with it. Listen, how many of you saw that coming, right? How many of you are sitting there saying, man, I've been in church a long time and I haven't quite heard the, the dung on your face sermon. Like some way I grew up and I didn't see the veggie tale, Somehow they skipped this uh, story about God sprinkling dung on the people's face. I know we want to be able to say well what is what does that actually mean in the original language it can't mean that no it means feces it means dung that's exactly what it means listen God seldom uses language like this this is not a uh, this is not a license for us to have a potty mouth but the circumstances here are dire and God wants to get their attention see for the priests one of the things that they would do is they would uh, receive the animals from the people and they would sacrifice those animals on the altar as an offering to God. But when those animals would come in, uh, there were parts of the animal that were unclean. You think about the guts and the bowels and the unclean parts of the animal. And so what the priests would do is they would take those unclean parts and they'd take them out of the camp. They'd take them outside of the camp, away from the people, they'd burn them. After they burned it, they would go and they wash themselves, they change their clothes, and then they can come back into the temple and continue their service to God. And that was how they got rid of the unclean things. And what God is saying to these leaders, because of their failures, because of how they've not been faithful to the things of God, God said, I'm going to take the dung, I'm going to take the unclean parts of those animals, and I'm going to spread it all over you. I'm going to spread it all over you so that you are unclean so that you are disgraced, so that you are disqualified, so that you are rejected from actually being able to be a a priest and doing the things that God has called you to do. Listen, this is a, a harsh judgment. This is a harsh judgment. And we need to understand, listen, James 3 says that leaders are held to a higher standard. They're held to a stricter judgment. It is so important for us to understand the the high calling of of leaders. In fact, Charles Spurgeon uh, wrote to his students, uh, wrote uh, lectures to his students, Charles Spurgeon wrote, he said, listen, if you can be happy doing something else, these are students that are training to go into the ministry to be leaders in the church. Charles Spurgeon said, if you can be happy doing something else, go and do that instead of leading the church because when you step into church leadership, you are holding yourself to a much higher and stricter standard, and that is a weight and a burden that is incredible. But as hard as it is, as we look at these leaders and see them failing, as hard as that is, there are some leaders that are going to be godly. There are some leaders that are gonna remain faithful to God and what He has called for them, and Malachi gives us a model of what it looks like to have godly leaders, godly pastors, godly priests. And there's four, four qualities He'll point to uh, what these godly leaders look like. Godly leaders, first and foremost, they are people of character. They have integrity. Look what he says in verse four. Malachi says, "So you know, so you now uh, I've sent my, my command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with Levi was one of life and peace. And I gave those things to him. It was a covenant of fear. He feared me. He stood in awe of my name. Did you hear that? It says, uh, he, he feared me and he stood in awe of my name. Levi, if you don't understand who Levi is, way back in the beginning of the Bible, there was Abraham, God chose Abraham. Abraham had a son, Isaac. Isaac had a son, Jacob. And Levi was Jacob's son. And and, and through Levi's lineage, that is where the priests came from. And the text says that there was a covenant that God made between uh, between God and the Levites, the the servants of God, the priests of God. And in this covenant, God's part, God's commitment was to, to call the Levites to the office. They were to call them to the office of the priest and to promise them life and peace. And in return, the Levites, their part was to fear God and live in awe of Him. And to live in awe of His name. Listen, for us to fear God and to live in awe of God, it's not reflected just in what we say. It's reflected in how we live. It results in us having a godly character and the ways that we live and live our lives. You think about, I think about Malachi. Malachi was a guy who feared God, who, who stood in, and lived in awe of the name of God, and he was a man of character. Malachi was the kind of guy who, would have, who, who loved his family, who loved the people. He wasn't known for, for stealing, or abusing, or lying, or cheating, or any of those other things. Not that Malachi was a perfect man, but Malachi was a man of integrity and a man of character, and that is a portrayal of a, a godly leader. Second characteristic of a godly leader is their teaching is biblical. Look what he says in verse six. He says, true instruction was in his mouth and no wrong was found on his lips. Verse seven says, the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth for he's a messenger of the Lord of hosts. See, it's almost strange for us to be talking about church leaders. It's almost strange for us to be talking about church leaders and say their teaching needs to be biblical. But it is true. It's something we have to point out. It's not enough just for church leaders to talk about Scripture, to throw out some spiritual cliches, to to spiritualize things, godly leaders, for them to fulfill what God has called them to. They've got to know Scripture. They've got to understand the Word of God. They've got to be able to teach the Scripture in a clear way that people will understand the Word of God for themselves. They've got to be able to stand on truth even when it is hard. They've got to have biblical teaching. Third thing for these godly leaders, they've got to have a consistency in their life. Verse 6 says, Speaking of Levi, that he walked with me in peace and uprighteousness. See, anytime we see in the Bible that says somebody walked with God, that refers to their lifestyle. That refers to them living a life according to the will of God. It means that they were living according to what God would have them to. That's what it means to walk with God, is to walk in the ways of God. Eugene Peterson, who's a pastor, uh, an old pastor who's passed away, but he said this, that walking with God is a long obedience in the same direction with Jesus. This is what godly leaders do. They have this consistent pattern of obedience, of character, consistent pattern of biblical teaching. In fact, I just recently finished reading a biography of of Billy Graham, and when I think about Billy Graham, is there any word that describes him more than consistency, consistency, I mean, if you know anything about Billy Graham, how, how, what did he talk about his entire life? His entire life was centered around sin and Jesus and the cross and salvation. That is a picture of long obedience with Jesus. And so God helping us understand this is what godly leaders look like. They're people of, a, of character. Their teaching is biblical. Uh, they have a consistency in their walk with God. Number four, they're people of courage. They're people of courage. Look what verse 6 says. He says, They walked with me in peace and uprighteousness, and he turned many from iniquity. Again, you think about, think about the leaders in Malachi's day, how they were showing partiality to people, how they were watering down the truths of the Word of God. All of those things, it would have been easier. They didn't have to call people out. Anytime you talk about sin and you talk and you challenge somebody and you confront them because of the way they're living, it takes incredible courage. It takes incredible courage to stand on the truth of God when it confronts people and it talks about these hard truths. I mean, think about Malachi. Think about the incredible courage that Malachi must have had. Here's Malachi. He is confronting the religious leaders saying, listen, you guys have missed the mark. You are no longer being obedient to God. You need to repent or God's curse is going to come and he's going to remove his blessing from you. Imagine the courage it took to have that. Listen, God's God's leaders, they have that kind of courage to confront and to stand for truth. Listen, God, godly leaders... Godly leaders are people of great character. They're people whose teaching is biblical, who have a consistency in their life, and who have courage in their life. In fact, I'd simply say this. You want to know what a godly leader is? I'd say this. A godly leader is someone who is bold in truth and who lives a life that is honoring to God. Listen, that is a godly leader and a godly teacher. And if we find a leader like that, we find a leader who is bold in truth and who lives a life that is honoring to God in their character and how they live. Listen, that is a leader that we ought to listen to. That is a leader that we ought to follow. That is a leader we ought to to cling on to, that we ought to honor. I come to this point in the message, and I want to just pause and and say for most of us, you know, we're hearing this message about these these leaders in the church, the failed leaders and the good leaders, and, and the question is, Well, what does this matter to me? What does this matter to my life? Why does these leadership failures or success, what does it mean for my life? How does it apply to me? Listen, I've got just a couple of ways that I want us to say why this matters to every one of us that are listening today. And maybe a couple points of application based on that. Number one, knowing about godly leaders is important because we need to commit to following godly leaders. Listen, there are all sorts of churches, all sorts of leaders. How are we to discern the type of leader, the type of pastor, the type of of church that we should commit ourselves to and follow? But here's the thing. When we understand what matters most, we understand what matters most is that leaders are bold in truth and, and live a life that is honoring to God, then we can find leaders that we should cling on to. We should find leaders like that and cling on to them and value them and rejoice over them and honor them and commit to to, to following after them. In fact, I remember a number of years ago someone came up to me and said, man, uh, have you met this new pastor? Man, this new pastor, he, he's amazing. He's so cool. He's such a visionary. He's got such a big vision and he's such a great communicator. He's got these amazing stories and, and it seems like every week he gets my emotions drawn. And, you know, he's so stylish. He looks so cool. Man, people are flocking to him. You've got to meet him. And me, my question, to him, my question was, what is he teaching? What is he teaching who in his life knows his character? Because here's the thing. A turd with sprinkles doesn't equal a candy bar. Do you understand that? Listen, we're never going to find a perfect church or a perfect leader. But we, if we find a leader who is bold in truth and who lives a God-honoring life, and you've got to cling to a leader like that. You've got to commit to, to follow leaders like that. To walk with them as they follow Jesus, like Peter, follow me as I follow Christ. And you've got to commit to following that leader for the long haul and see what God does over the long haul of following leaders like that. Second way I think it's important, second reason why I think it's important for us to know these things is we need to be able to hold church leaders accountable. Listen, Hebrews 13 says we are to have a submissive spirit to church leadership, and I don't want to diminish that. But when leaders begin to move away from biblical truth, when leaders begin to live lives that don't reflect the truths that they are supposed to teach and model, those leaders need to be challenged and held accountable. Listen, there's a right way to go about that. There's a right and biblical way to confront a leader and to hold them accountable. I'm not talking about nitpicking little things with leaders. But I am saying ungodly leaders, they need to be held accountable. And we can't hold these leaders accountable if we don't know what they're supposed to be held accountable to. Which is why it's important for us to know this is what a godly leader looks like. Third reason why we need to know what godly leadership is. It's because each of us need to grow in our own leadership. See, reality is leadership is is broader than just in the church. Most of us, whatever situation we are in life, we have influence over people around us. Whether you are a parent, or a grandparent, or an aunt, or an uncle, whether you are a small group leader, a ministry leader at church, whether you are a a student ministry leader, whether you work in the kids' programs, whether you're a coach, a teacher, whether you are a mentor, listen, so many of us, we are in a position to impact other people, whether that be for good or bad. And because of the influence that we have, because of the leadership influence we have over other people, we need to know what's important. We need to know how to live our lives in a way that influences people for good, which means we need to be willing to prioritize that we are people that are bold in truth and live a life of consistent character in a way that honors God. Last reason why I want you to know about godly leaders I'm gonna ask you would you pray daily for your pastors would you encourage your pastors so I love what I do I love what I do I love the fact that I get to teach the Bible at Restoration Church I love the fact that I get to love the people at Restoration Church and I get to love our city there is nothing else that I can imagine doing with my life But if I'm being honest, I don't think most of us understand the weight and pressure of pastoral ministry. In fact, I just look over the past six months, the incredible pressure that pastors are under on how they lead and how they love the church of God in what is probably the most trying times of our generation. In the midst of everything we face in the last several months, there are so many voices so many voices, and so many opinions, so you need to do this, you need to do that. Why aren't you doing this, why aren't you doing that? You know what pastors feel now in in this day and age? They feel like a target is on their back. I want you to know that your pastors love you. That Jake and I and our leadership team, we have done our best to point our church to the big picture to point our church back to the kingdom of God, that we want to get lost in the details that will distract us from what's most important. And what's most important is that we continue to put our faith and trust in Jesus despite the circumstances in our world. Listen, we have done our best to point us back to the truth of God's word, to love and to lead you with integrity. And I tell you what, your pastors need you to pray for them daily. They need your encouragement. In fact, today is uh, the last Sunday uh, of Pastor Appreciation Month, and I'm going to encourage you. Would you just show your pastors some love? Would you reach out to them? Would you show your pastors some love? They need it. They need it. We we want to see our leaders have that, that long obedience in the same direction with Jesus. So please be praying for your pastors and encourage your leaders. They need that. Listen, I love y'all. It is an honor for me to be in this position to, to love our church and to teach the Word of God together. But I want to close and point us to, not myself, but point us to the one leader who perfectly fulfills all of the characteristics that Malachi has just talked to us about. See, Jesus is a man who loved and spoke the Word of God with boldness and clarity This is a man who lived and walked in the paths of righteousness and lived a life of integrity. And unlike the wicked leaders in Malachi's day that was causing people to stumble, Jesus didn't cause people to stumble, but rather he gave his life on the cross so that we could experience a life of peace with God. Listen, he is the leader that we all long for. He's the leader we're all trying to follow and to mimic. So I want to invite us right now, as we think about this message, let's take a minute now and be able to to worship him. Worship what a beautiful name he is. What a beautiful man. what What a powerful picture he is for us to follow. That when we're looking for a leader that we can commit our lives to, God has given him to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you just for your grace on us. I want to thank you, Lord, for godly leaders that you've put in our life. God, I pray that we would value those leaders. I pray, God, that when we can look at a leader's life and we can see that they are bold in truth and they are living a life that is honoring to you, God, I pray that we would cling to leaders like that. God, we want to be enamored by the flashiness. We want to be enamored by uh, the popular, but God, help us just to value what you value. God, you don't look on the outward appearance, but you look at the inward parts of a man. And Lord, I pray that you give us the ability to get beyond the outward appearance of leaders, but to really look at the heart and the character. That God, as we find a leader like that, that, God, we would follow them, support them, encourage them, learn from them, allow them to speak into our lives, allow them to challenge us and point us back to the truth. Lord, I thank you that we have the perfect example in Jesus Christ. God, I know there are some of us that have been hurt because of leaders in our life. We've been under the the poor leadership like the people in Malachi's day. There's been leaders who have hurt us and left us with wounds. God, I pray that we'd be able to look past those leaders to see the man of Jesus Christ, that he was bold in his truth, bold in the word of God. He was righteous in his character. And I pray, Lord, that we would understand he's the leader we're trying to follow. He's the leader we want. Lord, I'm so thankful that Jesus went to the cross for us. No matter what it is we're facing today, no matter what difficulty we have in our life, listen, Jesus went to the cross to say, I love you. He proved his love for us on the cross. No matter what we face today, we can know that he loves us. We can know that he's with us. So, Lord, I pray that whoever needs that encouragement today, that they would just be encouraged by that. And Lord, I pray that we would be able just to to look to, to Christ as that perfect leader. That we would praise his name because he's the one that we should cling to. He's the one that we need to follow and revere and honor. So Lord, I pray right now that we'd be able to just respond to your word and worship you with our voices because you are worthy. We love you, Jesus, and thank you so much for meeting us here today. And we ask this in your holy and precious name.